are back. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm live streaming soon, apparently, according to my uh, banner. So uh, let's go ahead and get rid of my banner. Uh, you can tell I'm a little rusty at this because uh, we used to do this every week religiously. And now it's whenever we're not on the road, which is I guess it's a good thing, though. I had an event canceled the other day, uh, or at least postponed because it was for a healthcare group. And they are now so busy with COVID patients again that they're not able to do the in-person events. So I was really saddened by that. Anyway, a uh, guy that doesn't make me sad, guy who makes me happy, like super over the top, giddy happy. He is, I told him he's, he doesn't deserve the hardest working man in show business gig name because it's already been taken. He probably is a runner up for the title, but he is the nicest, nicest man in customer experience ever. I'm, you know, I'll tell you what happens for me a lot. I'll get, we'll have inquiries. I'll say, well, they're considering you and they're considering Shep Hyken. And I'll always say, boy, they're going to love Shep Hyken. And, and when clients tell me they're considering us both, I say, you're going to love Shep Hyken. I've shared the stage with him. But more importantly, I have shared a career where I've learned so much from this man. I have been uplifted by him and I could not be more excited than to share him with you again today. We did the last book of yours, I think. And so here you are with another book. So it's about time uh, for us to bring you back on. Chef Hyken, the wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. And by the way, when they tell me they're using Joseph Michelli, I say, go for it. Go for no, it. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, I think we've, it's really rare. I think lots of professionals are in lives where there's a real cutthroat spirit. And I've always felt like if not this year, next year, right? If not, you know, if me this year, Shep next year, it's, there's just so much, so much abundance out there. For there's us. a lot so. of business and, and yeah, I think that's what it is. The law of abundance, the law of reciprocity. We help each other. The more you give, the more you get. Uh, I'm a big believer of, of just helping others because it all comes back somehow, some way. And by the way, uh, I'm trying to keep up with you. How many books have you written? I'm 10 now. I'm 10. See? I'm too yeah. behind. Yeah, but I'll be I'll be dead in the grave by the time <laughs> you stop. You'll be like, it'll be number 754 for hike. It has something to do with amazement or magic or convenience or they'll they'll be back. Let's talk about the new book. Um, it's just it's like hot off the presses and still on the presses, I gather. Yeah, it's still so, on the presses, uh, somewhat on the presses. You can get you can get a version of it today. Um, oh yeah so we, little intrigue there oh, i think no. you should i think i think i'm gonna have to get back to my my uh skill set of being able to put a banner up but other than that i think oh, we should i'll do make some. it real easy this is what the hardback book looks like and i just got my first box today but if you go to i'llbebackbook.com and you order it and there's the banner www.i'll and there's no apostrophe in i'll websites don't like that i'llbebackbook.com you order the book uh, you'll pay regular retail, but instantly you will have access to the ebook. And once the book actually comes out in about um, maybe a, maybe six weeks or so, the book will be sent to you from either Amazon or Barnes and Noble or one of the retailers. But otherwise, uh, you'll have instant access to the ebook to download to your computer, your phone, your Kindle, your Nook, whatever it is that you use. I'm excited just thinking about it. I can't. I, I love that that time because you you've just gotten some of the early books to your to your doorstep, and it takes a while from that first little batch to the actual available everywhere. Great books are sold, kind of story. Uh, and we're in that lull, but people are going to be able to get this ebook ASAP. 
thanks immediately. to yes. Mr. Shep. So let's let's talk about this book, and then we'll talk about your keynote career, your training resources, anything. If you have, if you've ever met a customer or been a customer, you probably should meet Shep Hyken. Uh, so the reality is that this is another iteration in a series of books that you've written. And we should, oh, should I do the hit parade? Let me get myself out of this and put you on screen so you can be awkwardly uh, just looking at the camera. Um, but let's start with the hit parade. Back in the ancient of days, this was one of the early ones, wasn't it? Uh, actually, Moments of Magic was the first, but Be Amazing oh. or Go Home. Yeah, there you Hold go. Hold on. I'll, I'll change it. You just tell me where, where do I go in the sequence. See, moments of Magic, life. then uh, The Loyal Customer. All right. Uh, there you go. Then Cult of the Customer. Oh, this could get tricky. That is actually what you're looking at is version two of The Cult of the Customer, which we revised and re-released in March of last year, right at the very beginning of COVID, because we thought, what a perfect time to launch a book. So, a book. but yeah, that book has done really well. That was my first uh, big, like, hit the Wall Street Journal list. Was number two or three on USA Today list. It was. Yeah, I was very excited about that book. All right, so let's uh, let's go back to the origin here because I didn't moments of magic. I should have known that this was going to be the first of your series because you started off with kind of as as an with an interest of magic, young, right? Like yeah. you understood. The, the magic of magic. So talk a little bit about that and how that could ever inspire someone to become great in delivering customer experiences. Well, I, I did magic when I was a kid, still do magic. I guess once a magician, always a magician, but I still practice. And in my first birthday party magic show that I performed at back at age 12, my parents had me write a thank you note, follow up a week later, make a phone call, make sure they were happy, ask for feedback. I didn't know it was called feedback. I just thought it was, how'd I do? Okay, what tricks did you like? And when I was taking out the tricks they didn't talk about and putting tricks in that everybody would talk about, that's called process improvement. And so I'm learning about customer service and experience at a very young age, not even knowing that's what it is. Now, when I started being a, a professional speaker on stage, that's when I said, what can I do? I, I, I was really drawn toward uh, doing a program on customer service. And I thought, well, what can I call it? I'll call it creating a moment of magic because that's what we want to do, right? And I incorporate a little bit of that entertainment with the magic into the speech. And that's what kind of launched it. And then I came up with the ideas of moments of misery, which are, you know, obviously problems that you have with customers, bad experiences, moments of mediocrity, which is unfortunately where a lot of companies reside because they don't realize nobody's complaining, they must be happy, or they're just satisfied. Everything's just fine. And we know fine is not fine. <laughs> so, so, you know, let's go back to that. I mean, when you had like moments of magic, you had mom as your acronym and it was a positive thing. And then you went to moments of misery and mom became a negative thing. I couldn't quite mm -hmm. make sense of that. Mom, mom had both sides of the spectrum in terms of an acronym. Um, <laughs> mom but, but the, yes. Yeah, my mom got us both ways. So let's, the new book talks about the moments of misery. It talks about moments of magic. It talks about moments of truth. Uh, it talks about moments of mediocrity. So all of those things are in the new book. So if you've missed yeah. them along the way in this cavalcade of uh, Shep Hyken books, you can you can get the best of in terms of some of your concepts. Let's talk a little bit about I'll Be Back book from the very sure. onset mm -hmm. of it. Um, we kind of did a, a quick run through of all the visuals of your books, but we, we certainly haven't done it justice. Um, we'll go, we'll, we'll take those all on in future episodes. But for right now, let's talk about the beginning of this book, kind of the concept that 
you, you got to win an Arnie. So uh, yeah. what do you mean by win an Arnie for those sure. who are yeah. not inclined? Well, I mean, uh, you know, you can win an Oscar, the Grammy Award, the Tony Award. And I didn't think that this book would ever be tied to the movie Terminator. But hey, look at the font on this book. On the, It's actually called the Terminator font. OK, it looks like it's a throwback to the, the movie. And I had no idea it would ever tie into that. But after about the after I wrote the outline and started writing, I said, you know what? I got to put Terminator terminology in here. So I talked about, you know, how you uh, why a customer would terminate you. You know, how do you get the customer to say, I'll be back. And I thought, well, let's tie into what Arnold Schwarzenegger does. And I went online. I found a bunch of great quotes and some really sage advice from the actor, former governor of California, and just a, an amazing entrepreneur uh, and business person. And I, I said, if you want to win an Arnie, the, re, the way you win is to get the customer to say, I'll be back. Now, they're not going to do it in the German accent uh, that Arnie does, but... Uh, you know, I, I actually did an event with him in California. He was extremely gracious. It was interesting because he was talking about leadership and he'd just come out of his scandal, his personal scandal. So it was, mm. it was, it, it was just watching the craft of being able to put it together, a solid message and walk the line and acknowledge his credibility gaps. It was really quite amazing. And, and this book does conjure up that image of wanting the customers to come back. Let me, I'm going to pop a comment in because I, um, I'm doing such a good job of running the controls today. Uh, welcome, Joseph and Shep. If a person was to start with Shep, with the, what's his best book from uh, from the past? Which one to start with sure. and why? Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah, well, you know what I would do? Uh, first of all, I'll be back. Every book that I write has a chapter about my fundamental concepts, which are the moments of misery, truth, magic. So, So that's in every book. But I would go with, go with this one. Amaze every customer every time. It's a great customer service book. And at an individual level, there's 52 tips and tools in this book. Another book that uh, we held up, uh, Cult of the Customer. If you've got a team, that is a great book because there's lots of tools that we use in our trainings that our trainers go out and deliver my content in a training format. Uh, if you uh, do Cult of the Customer, there's all the same exercises that we use in our programs are in this book as well. So that's a good book for, for training, but those are that I'd probably start with uh, amaze every customer every time. All right. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, oh God, I hate what I'm doing this. Like, okay, there's my head, there's the book and I'll get rid of the book. Okay. So um, let's, let's talk about the current book uh, because now mm -hmm. we know which one to read if you've not read all of the other books, but uh, let's go with the current book. So um the phrase makes sense using the Arnold phrase, mm -hmm. but the real essence of it is to get to a place in business where people come back. Like that's more important than a lot of the other metrics. In fact, you kind of outlined some of the more popular customer experience metrics, not, not necessarily that they predict that they'll be back. I mean, at some level, I guess NPS is a predictor yeah, of. We learn from business. history. And that's what all of those measurements are. They're history lessons, you know, uh, based on your last experience, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, the NPS question, net promoter score, would you be willing to recommend us? Uh, were you happy with the service? Were you happy with the product? It's always a, a past tense. So where this really came to light for me is a number of years ago. And look at this. I'm bald. I got invited to be the keynote speaker at a salon, uh, a chain of salons. They had over a thousand 
uh, stores throughout North America, hair salons. And look at the guy they invited never goes to one. But seriously, I was doing my interviews and prepping for the speech. And one of the great uh, comments was from the CEO who said, you know, uh, we love to measure if people were happy with their haircut. But more importantly, we want to know, did they actually come back as a result of that happiness? So they know the different personas that different customers have. Somebody with long hair versus short hair, a typical cadence of somebody getting a typical haircut would come in once a month. So if they only come in once every four or five months, where did they go the other three or four months, right? So they want to see what the behavior is. Measure the behavior in addition to all of the history lessons you're going to get, and you'll be better off to understand where your business is going. So I'll Be Back is about not only customers saying they'll come back, but actually coming back. All right. So here I am behind your book again. I mean, this book is going to be in front of me the whole time, literally. Uh, so rather than me trying to get rid of it, I'll just get rid of me and we'll go back to you. Um, so <laughs> which is really what this is about is the book, not my head. Um, so and your head either is for that matter. Let's go to uh, past the baldness. Uh, and let's talk about in this book. I mean, because I think it's so ripe. I get asked all the time, like, have customers changed? And, and what did the last year and a half mean to customers? And what can we expect from customers? And one of the messages first, before we get into whether or not they've changed or not, is that many of the principles that exist for great customer experiences are really relevant for good times and for bad times. It's not yes. like they only apply in one economic condition. Can you talk a little bit about how you kind of position the good times, bad times discussion in light of what we've just been through? Yeah, I mean, it really, and and you you were kind of getting into what's changed with the customer. Well, nothing has really changed from what the customer basically expects. Uh, they have a problem, an issue, they have a need. They go to a company to either buy it, get help with it, um, you know, get supported for it. And at the end, they want to be happy. Nothing has changed. It's been that way since the beginning of business, and it will be that way 50 years from now. Now, what has changed is what happens in the middle, specifically in the customer service and support world, where we're trying to take care of our customers and make them happy. Uh, we've got all these digital uh, ways, these processes. A customer doesn't ever have to come into our store, doesn't ever have to talk to a, a sales rep. Uh, they can go online. They can shop and take control of the whole experience. They need help. They need support. They don't have to make a phone call anymore. They can go to a frequently asked question, uh, what's called a knowledge base um, in, in a, on a website. They can get video tutorials on YouTube. Uh, they can uh, type in a question in a, in a chat bot and, or a chat and, and then a robot will answer them. And ideally, if they need help, then a human will step in. But there's all these different technologies that have come to light. But really, all they do is they support what's been there all along. Customer needs us and then they want to be happy when it's over. You know, this is, uh, I know this is going to ruin your day, but look what just, just happened. I mean, somebody just said this. Uh... They ordered the book. Well, I know. You. I mean, they're going to get an e they're going to get an ebook download immediately. They don't have to wait because they were listening and they ordered the book. So thank you, Sherry Perry. Sherry Perry is a business owner um, out of Washington. Runs a award winning credit card processing company. So um, cool. thank you, Sherry Perry. She was actually included in a couple of my books because I'm a big fan of what they do there. Well, All right. So and, and clearly, Sherry, she's got any 
if, if she has any trouble, Sherry, if you have any trouble getting that book, you let us know because we're constantly watching the digital process to make sure it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, you're not going to have any problems. Shep Hyken is the king of convenience, the king of convenience revolution. No problems. Um, but we can't control technology always. All right. So let's go. Let's go forward. So the customer hasn't changed fundamentally. The principles that apply apply in good times as well as in bad times. So all of that is true. Um, and there are some moments in that customer journey that matter more than others, which you know, I wish you and I could have taken credit for moments of truth or, uh, but, but that kind of came a long time ago in the airline industry. Let's uh, talk a little bit about what is a moment of truth and then yep. how does that compare to say maybe uh, a moment of misery? Sure. Well, the moment of truth is Jan Carlson's concept, Scandinavian Airlines, as you mentioned, it's an, uh, he ran Scandinavian Airlines at a time when it was, the airline was struggling. He turned it around by getting everybody to managed what he called the moment of truth. Anytime a customer, in his case, it was a passenger, would come into contact with any aspect of the airline, they would form an impression. And he said, the choice is good or bad. Good, I call moments of magic. Bad, I call moments of misery. And then I added the third one, the moment of mediocrity, uh, which is the one that's average. Okay, you know, mediocre, it doesn't mean it's terrible, but it definitely doesn't mean it's it's great either. And when you don't typically hear from customers that are just you know, it's okay. It's satisfied. They have nothing really to complain about. Uh, I jokingly talk about the word fine. How is everything? It's fine. What does fine really mean? You know, if, 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 uh, you know, somebody says to me, you know, I asked my wife, Hey, is everything okay? Cause I noticed something seems a little off. Everything's fine. Fine is not fine in business. Fine is a four letter word. It starts with F it's the F bomb of customer experience. And if it were an acronym F I N E where each letter represented uh, a word F would stand for fake smile. I would be insincere feedback. You know, it's fine. It's not really fine. Even though I'm smiling N is, you know, I'm never going to come back even though I'm smiling. And uh, E is it's emotionless. You know, I, I, you asked me how everything was. It's fine. What is fine? Emotionless. And you know what? You're dead to me. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you, the, the Heath brothers did a really good job of culling out all the moments that matter most, if you will, and they yep. did a wonderful job in the power of moments. And a lot of that is behavioral economics research that's been around for quite a long time, and they're just the masters of packaging it up in ways that we can all access it. Um, and, and for me, they got into the pain moments, right, uh, what, what you would call moments of misery. Um, but the moments of magic, I don't think people get that one very much. And it's, it's also interesting that a lot of the literature says, you know, you got to remove the pain moments, but you don't get quite as much, you know, lift from the pain moments as you do from elevating the highs, which yeah. is really making those, those magic moments stand out. You want to talk a little bit about your, notice that he has trademarks on words, like moment of mediocrity is all about him. But, but this one, he's had around so long that he, it's now registered. Uh, as yeah. it applies to customer service and, and experience in, in this type of business. Yeah, because you can have a this magic moment, you know, it's, exactly. it, that's about love. Uh, but this is all about business. And the magicians, the magicians have their own concept of a moment of magic. But <laughs> but this is magic in this customer experience space, that, that time when you're having a customer touch that really takes it in a different direction. Let's talk about it. It's, and it doesn't have to be over the top, blow me away. It's not about wow. 
It, it's all about being just the tiniest little bit above average. That's what a moment of magic is. And you'll have opportunities to go way above and beyond, but they have to fall in your lap. You know, if I'm a server at a restaurant and I overhear a couple talking about their 10 year anniversary and I surprise them with a cake and a little candle at the end of the meal, you know, they're going to go, wow, that's great. But, you know, if I didn't hear that, what are they going to say? Hopefully you're going to say, you know what? That was a great restaurant. That server was so friendly. Uh, I always enjoy going there because, you know, it's the same experience. Every time I can always count on it being, uh, you know, the food's going to be good. The service is going to be good, et cetera, et cetera. So a moment of magic isn't about being over the top. It's about simply being better than average. And you string all of these moments of magic together, these positive interactions. And what ends up happening is people will say things like they're always friendly. They're always knowledgeable. They're always helpful. And uh, it's because you are consistently and predictably creating an experience that's positive. By the way, that's the secret behind being amazing. If you on a scale of a one to five, where one is bad and five is amazing, if you want to get a five almost every time, don't ever be a three or uh, actually don't, it, being a less than a three means there was a complaint, a one or a two. And if you can solve that, you can bring the score back up to a five. But if you've got a three, like I mentioned earlier, it's not really going to happen. Uh, people aren't going to say anything much to you. But if you're a little better than average all of the time, that's when you're talking about amazement. You know, Horst Schultz, a fan of your of yours because you wrote the most amazing book about the Ritz-Carlton, right? Um, well, he, I don't know. I don't know that there are that many books out there. So I'm, I'm you know, got a small race course, but okay. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Uh, don't sell yourself short, Judge. Right, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that little pep talk today. Uh, I can't but, get myself out from underneath your book banner, so I could sell myself short all I want. Uh, well, anyway, but amazement, you know, I saw that when Quicken did Engineered to Amaze as their tagline, I thought of you. It's like you've been talking about amazement for the longest time, and I think there's something wonderful about that word. It's different than uh, wow. Um, mm -hmm. There is something on the spectrum, but I, I like it. It's it's disorienting. So talk to me a little bit about amazement. I know, you know, the the better than average every time is, right. is really part of the, the formula. But but so that's above the three, if you will. So, yeah, it's above. And how much above? And that's where Horst said, just be 10% above it. And that means you've got to be a 3.3. And if you're consistently a 3.3, what does that look like in the hotel business? It means every time you walk by a staff member, they would say good morning or good afternoon. Just have some slight little interaction. And it's not once in a while, it's all the time. And it's the all the time part that takes even these small little seemingly common sense ideas and makes it a little bit more difficult because you have to be focused on it. You have to practice it. It has to be comfortable. So it has to be all the time. And you know, one of the things that, that makes Shep incredibly great is his ability to take a complex concept and get it yeah. to a point where it's accessible to people. I mean, like truly, like this better than average all the time is within the reach of all of us. But most of us are either content with average, you know, trying to just ameliorate the, the terrible to make it average, or we're swinging for the fences so hard that we're striking out more than we're making contact. So to me, this is one of those concepts of, just go more by that incremental stuff. And by the way, Horst may say that, but it, I, you know, he was a coach of mine and he and I would have these raging debates about perfection and his aspirations for perfection. So I think at an execution level, he was content maybe to go a little more than average. 
uh, as an aspirational level, he was he was definitely beyond swinging for oh, the fences. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. the attention to detail. And by the way, you get what you pay for. Uh, I stayed at a, like what I would call a roadside hotel. If you took those people, the way they treated me as a guest at that hotel was so friendly, so nice. You can transplant them into the Ritz-Carlton and they would do just fine there. But the Ritz, you're going to pay a lot more money for a number of what we would call details that you don't get in your typical experience at a regular hotel, a moderately priced hotel, but you get what you pay for. But at the end of the day, if the product is as good as it is, but the people behind it aren't nice and they aren't friendly, it doesn't really matter because people will say, I don't care how nice the uh, the room was. The people were so re- rude at that hotel. I'm never going back. And that's another chapter in the book. We talk about a fundamental idea, two words, be nice. You are, you're making that. it so hard for me to I keep know, up with I'm, the banners. I'm, I'm like, I'm layouts. having carpal tunnel from putting all these banners <laughs> out there. There's too many concepts in your book. Like you should have like one concept so that I only have one banner that I have to schlep up there for Shep. Schlep for Shep. Schlep all right. For Shep. There we go. But I, but th- this is a big, this is part of your concept that this is the shortest customer experience speech of all time, right? I mean, yeah. if, if I remember the way you framed it. And it's, it really is. I mean, our mom told us, this is where all of our worlds crash. Gene Bliss is, you know, you know, uh, would you treat your mom like this or whatever the title of that book was. But I mean, it's a great our, yeah. our mom taught us, would you do that to your mother? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, our mom taught us all these things, the way we're supposed to behave. We have standards of behavior that we know and have internalized. And yet somehow we forgive that in the way we serve people? Is it just that we serve so many people that this one's just another transaction? I, I mean, it's it's amazing to me, but I love this concept that it's sometimes just that simple. It's foundational. So, uh, and I remember I had two minutes to do this speech. I was originally given 40 minutes as a closing keynote speaker and the client says, I don't care what time you go on, you're gonna end at 4.30. It, it, I don't, it, and, and I go, what if I go on early? Fine. Just end at 430. We got to get these people in a bus. We got to get them off to this event. And I said, okay. And the speakers ahead of me kept going long. And eventually it was like 428. And the client says, I'm sorry, you can't go on. I go, ah, let me go on. I got something to say. So I walked out and I said, don't worry, everybody. We're going to be out by 430. Uh, but I'm going to give you the shortest speech in the world. So just pretend I was just introduced. We heard the applause. Here I am standing in front of the microphone. Are you ready? Here it is be nice. And then I started to walk off stage and I turn around, I look back, I said, by my watch, I have about another minute left. So let me explain. Be nice is so simple. It's fundamental. It's common sense. Unfortunately, we go places that aren't treating us like we should be just nicely. That is the basic. You can have the best food at a restaurant, but if you throw it on the table and you're rude to the customer, they're not coming back. So be nice. I'll see you next year. Well, yeah, I had a similar situation once where I'd driven all night. My flights got canceled. My my room was unavailable when I checked in, schlepped books at the time to the event venue and speakers ran over. I got on, I got up to the platform and, and literally they're like this, as soon as you walk on stage, it's like, wow, I'm normally get a couple more minutes before they hook me, you know, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. The people in front of you weren't being nice, you know, truly that, to stay inside of their lane, to realize that other people have important content to share and how, how cool of you to find that 
that little nugget that you could deliver within the context of, of the time and, and maybe just a simple reminder. And I think, you know, it's, it's really important of what would, how might you have been even nicer, right? I mean, that question is one we can coach people to all the time in the course of our business. What, yeah. what else might you have done? Yeah. To, what else to deliver can you have done? Nice? What can you have done differently? What can you have done better? Is there a way to improve it? Is there something that you as an individual know that us who've been in the business for years, because we're so immersed in it, don't see it. You know, I love getting insights from new people who come to work with us because they always have this new lens. And I try to keep that lens as open and wide as I can for as long as possible. All right. So this uh, concept is interesting. I just had a discussion with us, with somebody this morning when we were talking about loyalty programs. And you spend a goodly chunk of time talking about loyalty programs aren't necessarily loyalty, right? And real loyalty is a phenomena that transcends a loyalty program. Correct. Uh, it might, that might drive repeat behavior, but it doesn't necessarily drive what you would call loyalty. Let's make that distinction uh, for people. And, and they'll get into it much more detail in the book. Uh, which I'll pop up onto the screen if I can keep up with all the banners from all the concepts. <laughs> so real loyalty is different than repeat business. And repeat business is fine, uh, but true loyalty is, you know, uh, it's, so let's, let's step back. Uh, repeat business is excellent, but you have to understand why people are coming back. Maybe they're loyal, maybe they're not. Maybe you have a program that promotes that repeat business. You call it a loyalty program. The reality of it is it's a marketing program that drives repeat business. The airline miles that we get and accumulate are examples of perks that we get because we do business with an airline. And if they took those miles away, and let's say all the airlines stopped giving away miles, would you still fly on that same airline? And if the answer is yes, then you're loyal to that airline. If the answer is, well, I'm not so sure, then you are loyal to the points program. If I have a punch card that people punch every time they come in to buy a sandwich at my restaurant and the sixth sandwich is free, people might be coming back because of the punch card. What about uh, the convenience factor? And I talked about this in one of my books, The Convenience Revolution. I think convenience differentiates you from your competitor. But if you're there, it is. Thank you. But there's a, a level of convenience or a principle <laughs> called um, accessibility. And that means uh, geographically accessible. If the reason a customer comes to you is because you're more convenient, because you're closer. Well, as soon as a competitor gets closer than you, maybe you're going to lose that customer. So it's important to understand what's driving repeat business and ideally do something that creates the emotion that would make people want to stay with you. And I know we've talked about moments of magic and misery and all that. And the concept of always, always friendly, always knowledgeable, always helpful. When you create that predictive experience, that word always is triggering a positive emotion. And that's what we're looking for. When you can connect emotionally, I love them. Why? You know, they've got somebody, my inside sales rep at that machine company, boy, that guy always takes care of me so well. I couldn't go anywhere else. So we're looking for the word always followed by something positive. And that's what's going to promote a little bit of loyalty. And of course, anytime you can create an emotional hook where somebody feels endeared to you because of the way you take care of them, that's another way of doing it. Human relationships drive loyalty. But remember, repeat business. It's not bad. As a matter of fact, I want as much of it as I can get but I want to understand why they're coming back again and again. 
So it, what's, I popped up hiking.com, had to pull off the uh, I'll be back uh, book uh, website because hiking.com really is going to get you access beyond the book, which I think you need yep. to buy right now. If you haven't already bought it, I don't know what I've done. We've been on for 31 minutes and 53 seconds. What have I done wrong? Uh, buy the book. Now, but, but see, assuming that's already done, that's, that's, all, uh, that's old news. That's old news. Uh, what I, I wanted to talk about for just a second is when you were going into that always thing, that you're, you be the always brand, that is in your training materials. You train people to be the always brand. So I wanted yep. to post this hiking.com website because in addition to the book, you can then get additional information on the training programs, which are extremely accessible and available to all levels of a business. So if you're looking to train your people on how to help you become the always brand, hiking.com. That's your place you. to go. All right. So yeah. uh, let's let's talk about another concept from the book, which is recognized uh, and remembered. So uh, you talk a lot about the fact that, that not only do people want to have these moments of magic, but they, they just want someone to know who they are and be able to maintain a relationship mindset with them. So let's, let's get into that for just, for just a second. Yeah. I, I talk a little bit about what I call the cheers effect, which is if you remember the TV show cheers from, I think it was in the eighties, uh, the sitcom, uh, it's why do people want to go there? It's because where everybody knew your name, you know, that's the theme song. That's where you want to go because you feel connected there. Um, and if we can create uh, some type of recognition, remembering a person, and by the way, you don't actually personally have to remember the person, but if you've ever called customer support and the company you know, has your information in front of you, they say, oh, Shep, well, I can see you've been a customer's R for a number of, of ours for a number of years. Thank you so much. And you know what? Just two days ago, you called about this situation. Are you calling about the same thing? I mean, that's so easy to have. And guess what happened? I'm now sucked in. This person knows why I'm calling. They know who I am. I feel connected. I love that. That's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, we're continuing a relationship. It's whether or not it's a different rep or not. It's the brand being in relationship, and we treat brands like people. I mean, it uh, goes without saying. Particularly if brands stand for something, right? Like if they have a soul, then we treat the brand like people. And so you spent some time in this book trying to help people understand what do you stand for and stand right. for something, will you? Uh, yeah, so you know, talk a little bit about the cause marketing angle. Yeah, on Anytime you have something that is appealing to others, and I've written about this in a couple other books, and I just, uh, I, there were some new ideas that came to light here. But, you know, my daughter and I were talking last night about uh, the types of merchandise she likes to buy from companies. And she said, I'm only going to buy if they are into sustainability. I'm not going to buy from them if they've ever been, um, you know, in trouble for slave labor. I'm, uh, you know, and so she's into causes. There are people that won't buy makeup from certain makeup companies because of uh, animal testing. Uh, however, maybe we're involved with a charity and uh, we give, and by the way, uh, I love the idea of companies being philanthropic because it's, it is part of marketing because if you do good things for the world, the world recognizes this is a good person, good company. I'm going to give them my business. And, uh, you know, I have a, a, a friend of mine. He's got a mortgage business. And every year they build a home for Habitat for Humanity. And I have another friend of mine a, or a client that actually says to everyone, I want you to take eight hours, just one day 
and go do something charitable. We're going to pay you for that. I mean, they want their people to be that way. Uh, one of the companies I talk about is Keeley Companies. They have a whole wall. Uh, they have a culture wall. They have a, a community wall. And that community is all about the good they do in the community that they that they serve. By the way, uh, I, I don't have this in the book, but it's in one of the other books I mentioned earlier, you know, be amazing. Uh, I'm sorry, um, amaze every customer every time. There was an Ace Hardware store, small little Ace Hardware store, been there for years, maybe 10, 12,000 square foot store, not huge. Next to it builds the Home Depot. It comes in 150,000 square feet, tons of merchandise, uh, better prices. And they outspend the advertising dollars that this little Ace Hardware did by, well, they started at 30 to one. Okay. So the owner says, how can I compete with this? So this is what the owner did. They said, I'm not going to advertise anymore because that's, I'm, I'm going to, I can't compete against that. But what I can do is I can go to the school and find out uh, when's the next dance. I want to sponsor the dance. I want to sponsor the kids' soccer teams and the baseball teams. I'm going to go to church and donate money to that special event that they're having. And he became entrenched in the community and he gave back. Guess what happened? His business thrived in the shadow of that giant. Now, Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, they all have good things that they're doing, no doubt about it. But if you're going to have to compete against some of these giants or any competitor, one of the things that could differentiate you is your giving back. Well, yeah, you got to, I introduced David Wilcox at NSA a number of years ago, but he's a songwriter and he's got a song called East Asheville Hardware, which mm -hmm. talks about how you compete with rows and rows of registers all having a nice day. That's a lyric from the song, right? Like, how do you go beyond that plastique sort of quality to something that has more of that soulful element that we're talking about. All right, let's end this today with a call to action, a soulful call to action to how people can up their game. This is not about selling products, folks. This is about advancing the cause of customer experiences for all of us. When we raise the tide, we raise it for all of us. Uh, so the book is one aspect of that. Let's make sure people know how to get the book. So uh, give me your spiel on the book, and then we'll head to uh, visiting your website and all the other things sure. they can get by way of resource. And then I'm going to do a quick lightning round with you. Yep, great. Well, the I'll be back book.com, just go there. And uh, by the way, if you want to have fun, watch the trailer. I created like a movie trailer where I actually put on glasses that look just like these. And I do my best uh, Terminator impression. I know I don't look anything like Arnold. I think I can't even really tell. Is it, did, did you switch out? Are you a it's body me. double for it's Arnold? Me. What's going it's on? Me. All right, cool. Yeah, so go watch the trailer. That's at the, at and the then, website. And then buy the book and get the ebook immediately. And uh, while you're there, then bounce around my website, hiking.com, which the book is inside that website. You know, I'll be back. Book gets you to that. And you know what? Sign up. Uh, I've got this great new report we just put out. It's all the stats and facts that we did research on uh, about why customer service is important. Uh, I do one of those every year. Uh, I have a newsletter. You'll get it. It's got a cartoon every week. It's a lot of fun. I promise you lots of value. That's what I want. I give away. I give away everything. I don't hold anything back. And uh, All right. So let's, uh, speaking it. of value, the final get to know Shep uh, questions. Are you ready? Just lightning yep. round. Don't overthink these things. Just what okay. comes top of mind. Bacon, yes. chocolate chip yes. cookies. Bacon, chocolate chip cookies. Yes, the answer is yes. Bacon, yeah. chocolate chip cookies. Yes, I love them. Uh, did you know that's one of my favorite things? Bacon is better with everything. 
Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, and that's why you have to do these other things like this. Pedal for the cause. Pedal for the cause. That's a charity uh, that uh, I don't know if it's national or not, but it's a, to raise money for cancer. And I ride a bike. Uh, last year, I rode my longest ride was 78 miles, I think. So, uh, Which means you can eat more bacon chocolate chip cookies. Exactly. That's why I ride. The Ascender. The Ascender. The Ascender is a guitar that folds in half. It's the most convenient guitar in the world. It fits in your backpack next to your computer, and you open it up. It's almost always close to in tune. You tune it up a little bit, and it's uh, got the, the quality pickups, and you can play it on stage with the biggest rock bands. Uh, and you have played with some pretty heavy-duty hitters. I mean, Shep is an amazing guitarist. Let's go to um, St. Louis Blues. Yeah, my team, my team. Matter of fact, this afternoon, I'm going down to the St. Louis Blues uh, to talk to their staff about uh, giving a great experience to the guests. Uh, but they're my team. They won the Stanley Cup in 2019. I've been going to games since they uh, came here in 1967. And I had the honor of actually being in the parade uh, with the Blues. You, had, you were waving the flag uh, yeah. on the Stanley Cup. Uh, victory parade though i must say uh let me just tell you i live in tampa uh just for the oh, record yeah congratulations yeah. Uh, thank you that's you very big of well you deserved that's very big of you because i know you're seething beneath that kindness i know you no, are all right I'm, you know what we didn't they win. were great well. they, pat maroon from st louis who played with okay. the blues he yeah, he had like three years in a row he's gotten Stanley right, Cups that right too. like uh, share the wealth will you buddy all right brian elliott yeah so Brian Elliott is not the goaltender formerly of the St. Louis Blues. Brian Elliott is my son. It's actually Brian Elliott Hyken, and he's a musician in Nashville. And uh, he's also the best darn tour guide in Nashville because when he's not playing music, that's what he does. Wow, cool. And I've forgotten your daughter's name. You have you have two, two kids, right? Yeah, Alex two daughters, and Casey. Okay. Yep, I have three. Okay. Alex and Casey are my daughters in New York. One's in law school, and one works for Danielle Ballou, the very famous world-renowned chef yeah so you're well fed you have great music and you can get out of trouble if ever needed <laughs> i'm open all right and then we'll end on the highest of the high notes cindy hyken the secret weapon that's what i call her behind the scenes she does everything what can i say about her i love her i can't live without her and i can't imagine life without her I get so many emails from Cindy Hyken. I mean, just like Cindy Hyken, Cindy Hyken. She's a, she's in everywhere. She's like, there's got to be six Cindy Hykens. I know you're uh, impersonating Arnold Schwarzenegger, but Cindy Hyken is everybody. She's everywhere. It's actually me. It's actually me. I send all those. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Well, I'll tell you what he does send out is great information. Please take a moment to get to know Chef Hyken beyond this rapid round and really spend some time at his website, hiking.com. Let me make sure I get over to the book website as well. I'll be back.com and I'll, uh, you'll be back by the way here. We'll I can't wait. Again. Can't uh, wait. you just have to write another book. That's the requirement. I don't, I don't want to just talk to you in happy times. Why can't I, I, this guy, I can't get rid of, I can't get rid of his website stuff. I, I mean, it's just, I, I love it. Chef hiking. If you have not gathered that he is one of my favorite people in the planet. All right. So let's, uh, Let's give you some heads up. So we've been on the road like crazy. I did 21 days in, in June, and uh, I'm back on the road next week, and it gets unbelievable for me. So the, I want to apologize for not being as consistent with the, with the uh, live stream as we have been. We've been keeping the newsletter going and a bunch of other things, but uh, there's 
I did a riddle the other day uh, on a LinkedIn Live newsletter, and it said, what do you get when you have pent-up consumer demand, supply chain challenges, price increases, less staff? And the answer is 2021 customer experience challenges. So uh, we are trying to be part of helping clients with that, and we will get around here whenever we possibly can. In the meantime, thank you for your support. Please do me a favor. Go and buy Shep's book and spend some time at his website. Thank you. I'll be back, too just like Shep and his book is, uh, I'll be back as soon as possible, uh, maybe not next week, but as soon as possible when we get off the road.